the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It was only a matter of time. And it only took about 15 minutes after the first Russian tank rolled into Ukraine before liberals decided that the invasion was about race or white supremacy because there's nothing left that isn't about one or both of those things. Here's what Joy Reid on MSNBC said. I have come to expect very little from the Republican Party, to be blunt. I understand that they prefer autocracy. They want a white nationalist autocracy in the United States. In the United States, they believe that white Christians are beleaguered and need to rule the United States without elections. Got it. But this is this is this is really at this point open, unquote. And of course, she figured out a way to blame Donald Trump. She said, "Quote: This is saying we should either side." When she's talking about, she's claiming that Republicans are siding with the Russians, and she said, "This is saying we should either side with Russia." or let them run over Europe. That is new. I feel like that is something Trump brought to the table. He's been gone, I think, what, 14 months? Senk Uyghur, I think that's how you pronounce his name, he's host of the Young Turks. He said this, quote, Right wing doesn't love Putin just because he's an authoritarian, tyrannical leader. They love him because he's a white authoritarian leader. Race has become more important than even nationality. They've turned on democracy, and now even America in favor of a white warlord. Of course, he's saying that the right wing loves Putin. Who on the right wing loves Putin? I don't know who that would be. Anyway, so because Putin is white, every evil thing that he does does is not because he's a communist or an evil tyrant. It's because he's white. Then there's Wajahat Ali. I have no idea who this is. I see the name around. I've never seen him. I maybe even be a her. Whoever it is said this, quote, also imagine when slash if Republicans get power in 24, the massive global realignment. The U.S. president actively helping Russia, Hungary, Poland, and other countries with far-right governments to promote violence, authoritarianism, and, are you ready, white Christian nationalism. Disaster, unquote. Could it get any more stupid than this? This passes for analysis, apparently, on uh, MSNBC, um, and, uh, you know, study a situation, you check out the color of the people involved, and if there is no color, if it's a white person, that is the overlying reason for whatever evil he or she decides to commit. It's just, they're white. Who watches this stuff? I don't know. Not very many people, according to the ratings. Anyway, when we come back after the break, we will talk to a national columnist who was just fired for coming up with too many uncomfortable facts about your friend, Dr. Fauci. And in our second half hour, we're going to talk to a guy who's been pushing back against COVID hysteria from day one and taking a lot of heat for it. And we're going to talk about the lies we've been told for the last couple of years by the CDC. Stick around. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. 
Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Attention. This is a special alert for all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an overpriced auto warranty or no warranty coverage at all. Due to the increase of new and used car prices, repair costs, and the price of gas, people are keeping their cars longer than ever, which is why CarShield is announcing a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on covered auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can save thousands for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. You could save thousands on future auto repairs. Our specialists are standing by for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-619-6488. Vehicle protection plan pricing is at an all-time low. Plus, drivers who purchase this coverage today will receive rental car options, free roadside assistance, and free towing. Call 800-619-6488 now for your free quick quote. That's 800-619-6488. What do you have to lose? Call 800-619-6488. Again, 800-619-6488. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're paying too much for your wireless service. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same 5G coverage as one of those big carriers on the exact same network, but saves the average family over $800 a year. And Pure Talk doesn't lock you into an overpriced, unlimited data contract. Why pay for data you don't need? Instead, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone and keep your number or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. So what are you waiting for? Start saving today. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code half off, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code half off. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, there's plenty of government stupidity on display around the world. There's no better example of that than uh, than Joe Biden ending America's energy independence and then giving Vlad Putin the, uh, the leverage to believe he can invade a country. But we've seen plenty of stupidity here for the last two years when it comes to dealing with COVID-19. There's the NIH and then there's Dr. Fauci, the highest paid federal employee in history, Adam Andrzejewski, the founder and CEO of OpenTheBooks.com, wrote about Fauci's ridiculous salary and ridiculous pension for Forbes magazine and Forbes.com, and he talked about it on this show, as a matter of fact. And because he wrote about it, he won't be writing for Forbes anymore. Adam joins us now. Adam, thanks for being here. Great to be on the program, John. So before we get to what Forbes did to you recently, um, how long have you been writing columns for them? Well, over the course of nearly eight years, I penned 206 columns, and I estimate I put a quarter million words on the Forbes platform. So it was a, plat- it was a key platform for us at OpenTheBooks.com. You know, I started that organization back in 2011, dedicated to putting every dime online in real time and then doing forensic auditing on government spending. And Forbes was a key platform to publish our investigations. Yeah, and so... Why won't we be seeing any more stories from you at Forbes on Dr. Fauci? (laughs) Well, when I published their findings on Dr. Fauci's finances at Forbes, here's what happened. The National Institutes of Health, they put an artillery shell in their big gun. They fired it at the C-suite at Forbes. Forbes quickly folded, and my column was terminated. That's it. Well, um, the email comes from NIH. Uh, and what was the email? Uh, what was the point of the email? What didn't they like? Well, think about this. National Institutes of Health have 86 public affairs officers, and collectively, John, they're paid $15 million on salary and benefits by the United States taxpayer. 
uh, the top six of them, and they were highly compensated. The top, uh, the, the director uh, of the PR shop at NIH makes close to two hundred grand. So six of the top executives jumped on an email on a Sunday morning, a corrections email, without substantial corrections. They were actually quibbling about how I portrayed Fauci's uh, reported gifts and travel reimbursements in my piece where we talked about Fauci's $11 million net worth, his uh, salary and investment gains, and income that rivaled $1.7 million in 2020. So look, this was not a Sunday morning email with two directors, two bureau chiefs, and two of the top paid PR officers in their shop to the top, to the top editor at Forbes and myself. This was a message, and the message was, we don't like Angievsky's reporting, and we don't like that it's reported at Forbes. And, you know, Forbes got the message. Within 24 hours, they told me I couldn't write about Fauci anymore. I had to clear every single topic going forward with them. They went silent on me, and 10 days later, they terminated my column. So, well, here's what, uh, what exactly did Forbes tell you was the reason that they didn't want you writing about Fauci anymore, other than the fact that Fauci's buddies didn't like what you were writing. Did they have, did Forbes find uh, incorrect uh, information in, in your columns? Did they think your columns were unfair? Did they give you any reason? No, when they, 10 days later, when they made the um, decision to terminate the column, they just said that we made a decision to let you go. And that was pretty much period. I mean, there was no description, nor, nor would a, you know, I mean, when companies do that, um, you know, they typically don't use a lot of words, uh, but uh, but they left my author archive live. So we know, you know, I mean, shoot, for nearly eight years, quarter million words, 206 pieces, rarely was there a correction on my column, and they left my author archive live. And, uh, and that's just a testament to the good work and honest reporting that I'd done for many years on the Forbes platform. The, uh, they, they gave you no reason for, for letting you go? Right. Yeah. The email just said we made a decision to let you go. And what was your reaction to that? To them? I mean, did you, how did you react to them? Did you send them an email back and tell them you weren't real thrilled with that? Yeah, I said I'm disappointed. So, I mean, at that point, there's really nothing to say. You know, I mean, contributors at Forbes were independent contractors. We serve at their pleasure. Yeah. And their pleasure wasn't to give Fauci's finances robust oversight. And on the same day, John, that, that I was, my column was terminated, Forbes staff writers put up a piece, and here's the title. Fauci's portrait will hang in the Smithsonian. So they'll cover Fauci, but they won't, you know, they just, they'll cover him in the way that they want to cover him, not the way that probably I would cover him. And do you think that is because they uh, fear repercussions from the National Institute of Health, or is it because they think you did a bad job of writing? Well, I don't think they think I did a bad job of writing if they're honest with themselves. I mean, I had to call them for nearly eight years and a couple hundred pieces. Um, look, we don't know what's going on over there with Forbes. Um, we don't know what kind, you know, the size, scope, and power of government has grown so substantially over the course of the last 20 years. It is very troubling, and it's why I came out with this story, to educate the American people that these PR officers at a government bureau can pressure one of the top media organizations in the country. They'll quickly fold, and that empowers the bureaucrats to do it again in the future. People need to know that. Um, you wrote – this wasn't the first story you wrote about Fauci. This was just like the last straw for the NIH. This guy's being too tough on us. That's what it looks like. So in 2021, I actually authored 54 columns. Four of those were on Dr. Anthony Fauci. Every single one of those pieces broke national news and added to the national narrative. So, for example, everybody listening will remember last month in the well of the Senate with Fauci under oath, U.S. Senator Roger Marshall cited Forbes, which was my column, on Dr. Fauci's salary and the lack of his financial disclosures. Our organization at OpenTheBooks.com had sued for those financial records. NIH today were represented by Judicial Watch, and the agency admits to holding 1,200 pages of those records subject to our Freedom of Information Act request and subsequent federal lawsuit. Forbes knew this. I put it in my columns. 
And, re- and think about this. Rather than helping me go after Fauci's financial records, which was the top news story that day in January, they decided to go after my column. Amazing. We're talking to Adam Angievsky. He's the founder and CEO of OpenTheBooks.com. He was terminated by Forbes, uh, apparently for being a little bit too tough on Dr. Fauci. Now, you've uh, written, as you said, lots of stories for Forbes, over 200 uh, columns, stories, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and you've gone after lots of people who work for the federal government. Why so sensitive about criticism of Tony Fauci, do you think? I mean, it is mystifying. So in 2020, here's another data point. Uh, Sometimes you just have to connect the dots. So in 2020, I put up 36 investigations on the Forbes platform. 26 of those were special showcase called Editor's Pick. So they were specially uh, picked by the editors for promotion on the Forbes platform, 26 times out of 36 stories. The first piece I put up in 2021, John, was breaking the news that Fauci was the top paid federal employee ever. That piece wasn't an editor's pick. It's got over 900,000 views today. And none of the other columns I ever published, 55 straight columns between 2021 and 2022, none of those were ever editor's picks either. Something changed when I wrote about Fauci. Yeah, and you don't know what. No, just, just I don't. He's being right. overly protected for some reason. Right, that I got pushback when I wrote about him. So have you ever been challenged by the government on a story you wrote, not about Fauci, yes. and had Forbes stand up and defend you on it when, when people Ab- complain? Absolutely. Forbes editors had my back when I wrote about uh, Oregon Governor Kate Brown. So Kate Brown, through her PR spokesman, you know, they would aggressively push back on my columns. And Forbes editors, you know, had my back on that. My columns were factual and fairly written, and we incorporated all of their comments into the into the piece, and all of them were answered into the piece so everyone could see what all sides were saying. That's a fair way to go about it. That's not the same experience that I had when I wrote about Dr. Anthony Fauci. Was this a case of them not liking where you were going with this, that they, they were afraid of what might be coming down the pike? You know, I just, I don't like to speculate. I, I'm a guy that just writes on hard facts, and follows the money, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know in the C-suite over there at Forbes what the thinking was, you know, to get rid of Angievsky's column. I can tell you that on our email list and through our website, people are upset. Like, you know, we're nonpartisan. We hold Republicans, yet no, Donald Trump didn't drain the swamp. You know, the swamp grew. The federal executive agencies grew by 50,000 employees during his four years. Okay? You know, yes. Biden's hasty withdrawal from Afghanistan left up to 600,000 weapons behind, 75,000 vehicles, right? I mean, we go after all of them on hard numbers and factual information. So people are upset the column was canceled, but I'm going to be fine. You know, I'm going to graduate to the next level, and uh, we got 500 investigations coming out this year at OpenTheBooks.com, John. We'll break them all on your program. <laughs> I'll take them. Can you give me a little scoop on maybe something that you're working on now uh, without giving the whole thing away? Yeah, let's break some uh, national news right now. Uh, National Institutes of Health, subject to our federal lawsuit, owes us 3,000 pages of royalties to scientists, both currently working and and former employees of the NIH. They produced the first 300 pages subject to our lawsuit, and they blacked out the dollar amount and the payer. So it's 300 pages of virtually worthless production on royalties. And it's and every single line could be a potential conflict of interest. You also, your mission is under uh, is undercovering government waste. And you mentioned you have a waste of the week. Who wins this week? The Federal Reserve. They claim they don't have a vendor checkbook. They're an agency of the federal government. They're subject to the Freedom of Information Act. So we requested... They're line-by-line vendor spending, and they claim they can't produce it because they don't have a checkbook. What about the people involved in the Paycheck Protection Program? Well, yeah, I mean, we showcased at Real Clear. I have a column every single day, the Waste of the Day column, and we showcased that a Paycheck Protection Program recipient received $2.1 million and bought, instead of 
using it properly. He bought a Lamborghini, a Rolex, and then went shopping at Gucci and Chanel. Well, did he? Uh, did, did this person get caught doing that? Is he going to pay a price for that, or is he going to get walked? <laughs> He's walk? facing federal indictment, thankfully. You know, and it, bring, it brings up a broader question that the Small Business Administration ran the PPP loan program. This was money that was supposed to go to mom-and-pop businesses on Main Street that had real, you know, that were basically shut down during the economic lockdowns of the pandemic. They've got real needs. But the SBA never checked the U.S. Treasury's database, the Do Not Pay database. And the SBA put $3.6 billion of PPP loans into folks on the Do Not Pay list. (laughs) John, you can't make it up. No, and why? So it kind of defeats the purpose of having a do not pay list if you're going to pay people on the do not pay list. That sounds like a perfect government yeah, if you exercise. Don't use it, right? Yeah, that's. And so I heard somewhere yesterday that I don't know if it was the PPP program, but maybe it was in California, uh, where one out of five people who got the payments did so fraudulent, fraudulently that they that they gave it to people that you know. 20% of the payments went out to people who didn't qualify or shouldn't have qualified. Yes. Yes. In, in fact, uh, on the uh, stimulus payments that went out, nearly a billion dollars went to California inmates. That's nice to know. They can buy extra Even cigarettes. Even folks on death row got a check. The Boston bomber got a check. I got one last question for uh, Adam Angievsky of OpenTheBooks.com. When this COVID insanity finally ends, uh, are we going to find that all the records for government uh, waste have been broken? All the records have been broken. I mean, this is the largest public fraud in the history of the United States, specific to unemployment insurance. We estimate up to $200 billion was stolen by criminals, con artists, and crime syndicates across the world. That's that's what this is going to be at the end. Is And who's going to be held responsible for this? Anybody? Well, we're calling on Congress to get serious on a bipartisan basis to establish a commission, because this is, like I said, this is this is the worst public fraud in history. So, you know, they got to They have to put in staff up, put in robust clawback efforts to forensic audit and clawback everything that they possibly can. A lot of it you can't clawback. I'll tell you why, because for the first time, overseas crime syndicates we're able to use black web stolen names and social security numbers. And within 15 or 20 minutes, they were able to file on a mass basis with the state's unemployment claims. And when those, when those claims were paid at 10 or $20,000 to bank accounts, they were able to monetize that nearly instantly into Bitcoin. The money has been stolen. Well, uh, Adam, I, uh, every time I have you on, I hear stuff that's just mind numbing. How, how the stupidity of our government and what people are getting away with. And uh, I'm sure you're going to land on your feet as far as finding another place to write your column. Sorry to hear what happened there at Forbes, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. John, you're a good friend. Thank you. Okay, and that is Adam Angievsky, founder and CEO of OpenTheBooks.com. We'll be right back. SRN News. I'm John Scott. Putin is the aggressor. Putin chose this war. And now he and his country will bear the consequences. President Biden says this is Vladimir Putin's war. The president announcing a new ring of sections against Russia after its invasion of Ukraine, calling it an unprovoked confrontation. The Russian military has begun a brutal assault on the people of Ukraine without provocation, without justification. Without necessity, this is a premeditated attack. The sanctions target Russian banks, business leaders, and high-tech sectors and fall in line with the White House's insistence it would look to hit Russia's financial system and Putin's inner circle, while also imposing export controls that would aim to starve Russia's industries and military of U.S. semiconductors and other high-tech products. This is SRN News. 
Hi, I'm cute kid number one. And I'm cute kid number two. And we have been forced. You mean hired? We have been hired to tell you what direct lender FOMO is. So let's say you buy a new home. And maybe you use one of those big mortgage monsters. Or someone your realtor or friend recommends. And then a few months later, you hear us being forced. Hired. Hired. To tell you about our mortgage team's direct lender advantage. And then you feel like you missed out. Because you probably did miss out. And that is direct lender FOMO. It's Ryan, and our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. Which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This often allows us to get you a better rate on that new home mortgage, saving you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Or corporate Animalist Number 1335. Rack Animalist Number 65233. Equal Housing Lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Dennis Prager just wants to clear the air. I have said for all of my life, truth is not a left-wing value. It's a liberal value. If the world had clarity about leftism, the world would be a much better place. They threaten the greatest values of life. And people don't know it. People fall for it. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at noon, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. The answer. Whose rule book do you want to play by? The government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rule book and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. Train up a child in the way they should go. Well, you know the rest. It's a calling you take very seriously as a Christian parent. And Trinity Christian School in Forest Hills seeks to honor your commitment by working together with parents to prepare students who are academically sound and spiritually ready to take their place in the world through a classical approach to education that helps build a faith from which they will never depart. Trinity Christian School, one of the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County at trinitychristian.net. Exergen would like you to know about an important new study by the FDA. It confirms what the medical community is always known. Non-contact thermometers are not accurate, and they fail to meet FDA requirements for accuracy and labeling. With new strains of COVID on the rise, we can't afford to tolerate rampant false temperature readings from non-contact thermometers. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. You need Exergen thermometers because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure. Be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at Exergen.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Wrapping up our Thursday with a big backup on southbound 79. An accident just cleared between the Parkway North and Mount Nebo Road. Still all tied up from 910 on down. Now it looks like we've got a delay across town Boulevard, basically all the way across town into Liberty Bridge. Mon Wharf, it's still blocked with flooding. Parkway East, we're hanging on to those delays on the inbound side, 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Expect periods of rain for tonight with some ice mixed in early. Icy spots can cause dangerous travel. We'll reach a low of 32. Considerable cloudiness for tomorrow, but it'll be breezy with a little rain early in the morning. Then we'll see a flurry in the afternoon. Expect a high of 36. Low clouds tomorrow night with a low of 20. Intervals of clouds and sunshine for Saturday. We'll reach a high Saturday of 36. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, while war is uh, breaking out in Europe, back here in the homeland, the war against COVID is heading into year three. We're just now finding out that those scientists at the CDC we were told to trust uh, have not been all that honest. Jay Bhattacharya is a professor at Stanford Medical School and one of the co-authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. He's been questioning the experts on this since day one. He joins us now. Jay, thanks for coming on again. Always great to have you. Thank you, John. Pleasure to be here. So the official word from the CDC is that there were data that weren't ready for prime time. Should anybody accept that answer? 
No. Uh, as Americans, we absolutely should not. Uh, what, what happened with the CDC is not just that they said that they did, were slow to release data, like you know, wastewater uh, uh, measures of, of how COVID is spread, but also that they said that they held on to data because for fear that people would misinterpret it. That is not right for a scientific organization to hold on to data that it knows to be true and good and accurate, to not release it because they want to manipulate how the, 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 uh, the, the public behaves. That destroys trust in, in, the, in that organization, but also in science and in public health more generally. It will have consequences for a long time to come. And it's very unfortunate the CDC did this. It seems like uh, only the data that would keep everybody compliant were released. Uh, what did they know about hospitalizations that they didn't want us to know, regular people out here? Well, for one, I think that it's clear that many hospitalizations of, and, and deaths also of people uh, marked as having died from COVID, in fact, were, COVID was an incident, it was just incidental, right? It was, you know, you died from a, a complicated set of, of medical circumstances and you happened to have COVID at the time. That distinction is very important for almost every, in every other disease. Uh, that distinction should have also been made for COVID. Um, so there, there, I think there's some aspect, some, some level of that. Uh, other countries have been releasing this and there are even like some local public health agencies who have done studies like this where they found that uh, the incidental COVID was like a pretty significant part of the number of COVID deaths, uh, 25% in Santa Clara County, for instance, in an audit that was done earlier this year, or earlier last year. Um, and, and the other thing I think they didn't release is uh, the, 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 the rate of, of people getting infected that are vaccinated versus not vaccinated. Other countries released this. Uh, so you could see in the UK, for instance, in last summer even, or even earlier, that vaccinated people were becoming infected with, with the disease. Despite being vaccinated, you still get COVID. Uh, the CDC has been very slow. In fact, I don't, I, I don't think they've released any data like that at all, even though almost certainly they have it. Uh, and they did that because they were afraid that people would react to that by saying, well, I shouldn't get vaccinated. Um, instead, what they should have done is released it, taken account of the fact that there's, there, there is actually natural immunity after COVID recovery, um, and then and then help people understand that vaccination is still important, especially for the old, older people who are uh, because it protects against severe disease and death. You have to release the data, contextualize it, give good people give people good information, not make not use it to try to manipulate behavior. Well, what would what was the motivation for the CDC to um, withhold data? that might cause people who don't need to be vaccinated to be vaccinated. That doesn't, doesn't make any sense. I mean, I think part of the problem was that the CDC and the government generally thought that if we only got 60, 70, 80, 90 percent of the population vaccinated, the disease would go away. They thought and have made policy around the idea that the vaccine can stop the disease from spreading. But the vaccine cannot stop the disease from spreading. We see that in country after country. Uh, heavily vaccinated countries still have enormous disease spread. So if that's true, then the right use of the vaccine is not to try to get everyone vaccinated just so, and make people feel guilty if they don't. The right use of the vaccine is to tell people who are vulnerable that it's very important you get vaccinated so that if you do get sick, you don't die from the disease if you don't get, and you don't, you don't put in the hospital. That would have been the right messaging because it's consistent with the data. Instead, they latched onto this narrative that we must get everyone vaccinated before the disease, otherwise the disease will, will, uh, will, will keep spreading. Of course, um, the disease still spreads even if you're vaccinated. Well, Jay, these people are supposed to be smarter than I am about diseases and how they spread. Uh, and I was told for two years that I'm supposed to f trust the experts, follow the science. Um, is If another government agency blatantly—and I, I consider this lying by omission by not releasing this data. It's the same as lying. Um, do other government agencies get away with lying so blatantly? <laughs> I mean, it's once. I guess maybe if you're if you're like, uh, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's obviously unethical. I mean, I may, maybe national defense or something. I don't know. There is I'm not familiar yeah. with. But in in science, it's not right. In public health, it's not right. The the re, the, the reason why public uh, the the way public health and, and and like scientific agencies are effective is because they rely on the trust that public has in them. Public health can't work unless it has public trust. When you hide data, when you try to manipulate the public, when you actually, you've seen this through the whole pandemic, spread fear uh, 
out of proportion to what the data is actually showing you, in order to manipulate behavior, you are eventually going to lose the trust of the public, and that means that public health can't function. That has enormous negative consequences, not just for COVID, but for many, many other conditions for which public health is really important. Um, it's short-sighted, and I think we're going to be paying the price for it for a long time. What's the price we're going to pay for it? Well, I mean, I think um, public health, for instance, uh, there are other childhood vaccinations, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why there's such high uptake of them is because people trust public health when it says, look, uh, measles vaccines are really important for children. Polio vaccines are really important for children. Uh, we've seen some drop in the uptake of those childhood vaccines, which are really critically important because people have stopped, stopped trusting public health. Um, public health also plays an important role in disseminating new and important information about, you know, for instance, uh, uh, dietary standards, uh, the importance of exercise, a whole, a whole host of, uh, you know, so the, the, the like smoking programs, how do you, how do you treat uh, opioid uh, addiction? I mean, a whole host of things that are really, really important for the health of the population, how, you know, how important heart health is, how to, how to get screening for cancer. Um, these, are, these are things where, like, they're re- they really are important. But if a public health has lost, pe- people have lost trust in public health, and public health tells them, look, these are important, who's going to believe them? And that is tragic because those really are important. And was, was not giving the breakdown by age, sex, and vaccination status a way to make sure that everybody believed they were in more danger than they were actually in? Because they, they had the breakdown for age and sex, and you mentioned vaccination status, but they didn't, they didn't release that info either. Yeah, no, it was. I think that it was it was an idea. That I think the idea was to manipulate people into thinking, uh, the, 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 you know, thinking that literally everyone needed the vaccine equally. When in fact, it was most important for the older for the older population. Um, it was. It was. A, a, you, you should. They use the, the data, the release or non-release of the data, to manipulate the population rather than using the data to help guide the population accurately with what the science said. And they were afraid that some people might not take the virus seriously. They're afraid that some people not, might not get vaccinated because they would misinterpret the data. What's well, the job of the CDC to help the public interpret the data properly, not to hide the data for fear that people would misinterpret it? What uh, your from your um, research and following this uh, from the beginning, um, how does our CDC compare to the? equivalent agencies of, of, um, of countries around the world as far as providing honest information? We have failed. I mean, there's just no other way to sugarcoat it. The, the American CDC, uh, which should have been, which before the pandemic was the envy of the world, um, has absolutely, completely and utterly failed to meet the standards that they, that, that they should have met. And as a consequence, uh, American lives have been lost. Other other agencies have done vastly better than the American CDC. We're talking to Jay Bhattacharya. He's a professor at Stanford Medical School and one of the co-authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. Um, your, you released the Great Barrington De- Declaration several months ago, uh, maybe a year ago. I forget when exactly it came out, but um, you took a lot of heat for it, not just you, but your, your co-authors. Um, how much of what you had in there that was being taken off of social media and being trashed by uh, people around the world, how much of that has come to be true? I mean, uh, states around the, the country, countries around the world are adopting the Great Branching Declaration, uh, in effect, although they're not calling it that. Uh, the Great Branching Declaration says, let's, let's uh, take actions to protect the vulnerable. Which is what they're doing, you know, by by prioritizing, um, you know, boosters and such for the for the for older populations. Um, I, I don't panic the population. Let let younger people and others live the lives as near near normal as possible. Well, that's essentially what we've we've, we've many many states, many many places have adopted. Um, and uh, it's it it should have been adopted earlier. The, the the debate over whether that was the right approach was suppressed by uh, by scientific agencies, including by uh, to, uh, people like Tony Fauci and Francis Collins, who's the head of the NIH, who, who when we wrote the Great Bank Declaration in October 2020, uh, organized a media smear campaign of us, the authors of it, calling us fringe epidemiologists, even though I teach at Stanford. My co-authors taught at Harvard and Oxford University with uh, epidemiologists with decades of experience. Um, and instead of engaging in an honest discussion uh, and, and, and debate, actually, over this, 
they created this illusion that there was some consensus with, uh, in science about what the right thing to do, lockdowns, when in fact there was not such a consensus at all. And there are emails out there to prove uh, that they were conspiring to uh, trash the Great Barrington Declaration, aren't there? Yes. So there was a, there was a, a Freedom of Information Act request uh, and some emails from Francis Collins, the head of the National Institute of Health, to Tony Fauci four days after he wrote the declaration, called the three of us in, in the email, in black and white, it was stunning to see the last couple of last, last month when I first saw it. Um, it's in black and white, it said, uh, that called us fringe epidemiologists, uh, the three of us, again, two, three, decades of experience teaching at Harvard, Stanford, and Oxford, um, and, then, and then called for a devastating published takedown of its premises, to which Tony Fauci then sent a Wired magazine article um, to, 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 to say that we, we, you know, we made all these mistakes. What they should have done is organized, uh, you know, it's a fact that there are prominent scientists that, dis, that were, were giving grave concerns about the policy we followed, this lockdown-focused policy, should have induced an enormous conversation within the scientific community. Instead, we were marginalized, pushed the edge, deplatformed. John, I think you were one of the few folks who would actually have me on on the air. Um, and it, it, it uh, I think, has led to a whole bunch of unnecessary deaths, not just in the United States, but worldwide. What should be the price? I know this isn't your department to determine things like this, but what should the price be that, that uh, the CDC pays for this and the people responsible for this misinformation, disinformation, two of their favorite words? Well, I, think, I, I do think the CDC is a very important agency. Like the function they have is very important. Um, so I think we need to put in place people uh, who weren't involved with this at, at, in leadership. There needs to be a thoroughgoing reform of the agency um, so that these and put safeguards put in place so that these kinds of actions and decisions don't happen again. Um, it, in, in particular, I think there needs to be uh, much, much more transparency in the activities of the NIH, the CDC, and the FDA so that p- the public can see more clearly and not and we're not with FOIA requests that, 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 that take months and months to do and with like huge redactions so, you, so that, they, that they're hiding as if there's some sort of defense agency. Um, they should instead have a commitment to radical transparency in data, in communication, and, and they should uh, invite debate and discussion with outside scientists rather than uh, repelling it the way they did during the pandemic. And that should be part of the ethos of the agency. I believe it's going to take new leadership to do that. I don't think this current leadership has the trust at least they don't have my trust to do that, to implement those changes. Uh, and everybody uh, from the president on down has been pushing boosters. Uh, they've been pushing them like crazy up in Canada. What did they know about boosters that they didn't want everybody else to know? Um, I, I think it applies to people 18 to 49 years old. I don't think the boosters are particularly effective for 18 to 49-year-olds. And they, they all, all do have side effects. Um, and so I think they were afraid that if they published those data, 18 to 49-year-olds might say, well, I'm not sure I want a, I want a booster. Um, you know, I think it's, it's fine to make them available. They should never have been mandated. And they should have been, instead of what should have happened is that they should have said, look, consult with your doctor. Uh, if, if the booster, given your medical situation is right for you, you're immunocompromised or whatever, um, then take, get the booster. If, if it's not right for you, then it's your personal choice. That's how they should have handled boosters. Um, in fact, that's how they should have handled the vaccine to begin with. But uh, to what end did they not tell people 18 to 49? I, I mean, I know they want they wanted as many people as possible to be vaccinated. But why were they? Why was it so important to them that people again who who don't need to be vaccinated be vaccinated? I understand wanting the message to get out that it's important for people who are in some kind of danger to get it. But why would they? caused the panic that they caused when they, when there was no need to? Well, I think, I think they had this mistaken idea. Well, so first of all, uh, the reason why the boosters came into, uh, into play in the first place is waning vaccine efficacy. It had become clear after, after, a, short, after a few months that the vaccines, the two-dose vaccines uh, and uh, for the uh, mRNA vaccines and the J&J vaccine, no longer stopped disease spread. You're still seeing country after country, heavily vaccinated countries like Israel, having massive disease outbreaks. Um, and so the boosters came in with like, okay, if we just give a third dose, and you heard Tony Fauci talk about it, well, maybe we should have done a three-dose sequence to begin with, even though there was no 
clinical data, uh, no randomized clinical data that indicated that. Um, but so they, they, they had held on to this idea that the vaccine could help eliminate the disease off the face of the earth. You suppress the disease down to zero or very, very close to zero, circulating at very low levels in the population. And they, they thought, okay, two doses didn't do it. A third dose, if we just vaccinate enough people in the country, 60, 70, 80, 90%, I mean, you heard Tony Fauci give numbers like that. Um, if we just get high enough, 70, 80, 90% of the population vaccinated, then we can get out of this disease. Stop the, pand- stop the pandemic forever and never have to think about it again. And, or think about it very little. That was that was a mistake. And I'm out of time, Jay. But uh, real quick, uh, the New York Times is reporting that only a tiny sample of the data uh, has been reported to this point. There's still more out there that they haven't reported. So we're going to see more. There's, there's vast amounts of data still out there that they haven't reported. Hey, Jay, I always appreciate you coming on. You were on top of this, and you were right two years ago. You're still right, and I'm glad you're around to tell us about it. Thanks. Thank you, John. Okay, that's Jay Bhattacharya from Stanford Medical School and the Great Barrington Declaration. We'll be right back. By doing it right, roofing, siding, and remodeling, it's simple. It's in their name. Doing It Right uses only top-quality materials and employs the best installation and management people to install and oversee your project. Family-owned and operated for 38 years and with over 45 years of industry experience, you can be confident that your project will be installed the correct way. You'll receive a lifetime labor warranty from Doing It Right. Doing It Right is going to install per-manufacturer and NRCA specifications for a complete and headache-free installation. Doing It Right is an Owens Corning Platinum Contractor, James Hardy Preferred Contractor. Most importantly, they're affordable, offering great financing options and accepting all major credit cards. Be sure to mention Dennis Prager for a discount off your roofing, siding, and remodeling estimates. Call 724-NEW-ROOF or visit their website at roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com. There's one box that you'd run back into your burning house to grab. It's the box filled with your videotapes, film reels, and photos. Those sentimental, meaningful, irreplaceable moments. Hi, I'm Nick Mako. And I'm Adam Baselogger. We started Legacy Box over a decade ago so that we could help families save their memories from being destroyed by floods or fires. And it's not just natural disasters, Adam. Every day, videotapes and photos are slowly fading away, decaying, neglected in closets and attics. Digitizing your old media stops fading, and preserving those recordings means they are safe forever. It's like magic converting your shoebox of memories into digital files ready to watch and share. It's the only way to ensure your legacy is safe for generations. That's why over a million families have already trusted Legacy Box. Legacy Box is simple and easy, it works, and is safe. We'd love to preserve your family's collection. Don't wait. The risk is too great. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to save 40%. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get started and save. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. Are you wondering if this year you'll still be asking why it seems so easy for other people to find love but so hard for me? If you're feeling the pain of being alone and are tired of everyone around you finding their soulmates and leaving you behind, then get ready to remove the barriers to finding the marriage of your dreams and start believing it's possible for you. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. Join me in my Married in 12 Months Challenge, where I'll teach you why now is your time to find love, what are the lies that are holding you back, why God wants you to be married, the biblical law of attraction, and the tools you need to become a bride. Listen, if you deeply desire to be married, but you're still single, you should be doing something about it. Sign up for my free Married in 12 Months five-day challenge at lovestories.com. The only thing you have to lose is the pain of being alone on your journey. So join me at lovestories.com. That's lovestories.com. Ad paid for by completecar.com. This is a special alert for all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to the COVID crisis, we are announcing a low-cost extended service plan that's now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay nothing for auto repairs. Yes. 
You heard that correctly. Pay nothing for auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-959-4526 now. Drivers who are covered by this auto protection will not have to pay for a covered repair bill again. This auto coverage is at an all-time low, much lower than what dealerships are charging. Additionally, drivers who activate this auto coverage today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and free rental car at no additional cost. Call for your free quick quote today. Call 800-959-4526. 800-959-4526. What do you have to lose? Call 800-959-4526 now. Visit us on the web at completecar.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. I uh, just wondering, you know, we have Fox News to kind of counteract what we get from, uh, well, every place else, basically, except maybe Newsmax and a couple other things, OANN. But, um, you know, a, a, a conservative um, counter to all the liberal stuff that's out there. I'm wondering what is going to happen with an entertainment network like HBO, Showtime, all of them. They're all, they're documentaries, they're dramas, just almost... All of them, everything on all of them is uh, has a liberal slant to it. So Showtime, this is uh, thanks to uh, CampusReform.org. Showtime's coming out with a docu-series on systemic racism in America, and it's going to feature uh, Ibram X. Kendi. You know about him. He makes about $40,000 a year to run around the country telling people what a terrible country it is, uh, how racist it is. Um, well, the, the show is called – are you ready for this? This is the show coming up on Showtime. Uh, Everything's Gonna Be All White. Not right, white. And the, uh, the trailer starts off with, warning, this trailer may trigger white people. And then uh, a comedian named Amanda Seals explains what annoys her most about white people. She says, I think what annoys me most about white people is when they – Pretend like they're the victim. What's also annoying is when they, you know, when they kill us. So this is the uh, this is the show that's going to be coming on uh, Showtime with Ibram X. Kendi, and they're going to do, I don't know how long it is. Uh, is it a 60-minute? Whatever it is. It's a series, a docu-series. So it's more than one show where they're going to spend their time trashing white people. Remember when that wasn't okay? To, to, I don't care what group it was. To take any group of people and generalize, uh, I think that was used to be called bigotry. Um, well, that's what you got on Showtime. That's a major entertainment cable channel. And the title of the show is Everything's Gonna Be All White. So uh, as my dad used to say, and as, as I've said here many times, don't fail to miss it. Don't fail to miss it. Well, don't don't miss my show tomorrow. I'll be back here same time, same station. See ya. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.